Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We serve a good, good God, great and mighty God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together tonight. And we do so in the precious and holy name of Jesus, inviting your Holy Spirit to anoint our ears to hear, our minds to be open, our hearts to receive. Change us by your word, by your spirit, from glory to glory. Conform us to the image of Jesus. Build that life within us, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And Father, we believe we will be changed and we will, dear Father God, conform to the very image of Jesus our Lord. And faith will rise within our hearts. And we will go forth as shining lights in this world of darkness to hold forth the word of life to the generation that you've called us to. And for everything that's manifest in and through our lives, we'll be certain to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For we know apart from you we can do nothing. And so, Father, it's all yours. Be glorified as we make our boast of thee in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're talking about living by faith. Living the life of faith. It's a wonderful life. It's a glorious life. Faith is what makes the gospel work. Without it, not a whole lot we can do. But thank God we're not under the law. We're under grace. And by grace have we been saved through faith. And we can learn to walk in faith, live by faith. Fight the good fight of faith and overcome in this life by faith. So we're going to share with you this evening a few facts about faith first and foremost. A few facts. Just kind of a quick review. It's been a while. And so number one, our first fact about faith. We all have a measure of it. Romans 12 verse 3. What does it tell us? He has dealt to every man the measure of faith. We all start on a level playing ground. We all have the measure of the God kind of faith. Every single one of us. Secondly, we know that our faith can grow. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3, we are told your faith groweth, how? Exceedingly. So faith can grow. Well then the question is, how can our faith grow? Our faith can grow by getting into the word of God. Point number three, fact number three, it's the word that produces faith. So when someone says, I have faith, that's a wonderful statement. But your faith is in the word of God. And if we don't know the word of God, we're not going to grow in our faith. We need to be students of the word of God. We need to know what God's word says on every subject if we are going to grow in our faith. And so it's important that we become students of the word and put the word into our hearts and to our mouths. So we can declare it and proclaim it. So that's how our faith can grow. By studying the word of God. And learning more about our redemptive rights and privileges. The power of the name of Jesus. And the list goes on and on. Our inheritance and so much more. But then number four. It's important to know that faith deals with things that are not seen. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I like the Amplified that says. Faith perceives as fact. 
what is not revealed to the senses. It perceives as fact what is not revealed to our senses. So in actuality, faith is stepping out of this realm into the spirit realm. Looking at things that are not seen. And just because they're not seen doesn't mean they're not real. But we look at those things. We embrace those things. We believe in those things even though we don't see those things. And we allow them entrance into our hearts and into our mouths. And then next, we also know that faith is released by speaking authoritative words. It's released. Mark eleven twenty three is the law of faith. And we are told by Jesus, you got to say to your mountain. If you had faith, then say to your mountain. Say to your mountain. Say to your obstacle. Say to your situation. Whatever it might be. Be thou removed and cast into the sea. And don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will come to pass. And you will have whatever it is that you say. So it's important we understand this fact of faith. It has to be released. But it's released with authoritative words. And we've got to speak with authority to whatever obstacle we face in life. And then next, uh, it involves a fight. Obviously, anything that's good, you're going to be challenged with, without a doubt. First Timothy 6.12 tells us, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, whereunto you're also called. And you profess the good profession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. And that is a fight within ourselves. Think about it. The flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. Our thought life will be attacked. And the things that we're speaking, the things that we're saying, will be attacked by our adversaries to silence our faith, to keep us from speaking. The body will not want to line up with the word of God. Circumstances won't line up with the word of God. And the list goes on and on. From every direction we can be attacked in our, these areas of our faith. It's important we recognize the need to continue to speak with authoritative words and fight the good fight of faith until the victory comes. Amen. The victory belongs to us. It overcomes the world. That is our faith. Point number two. Now it's important to know how to stand by faith. If we're going to stand, it's going to have to be by faith. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 6, the Apostle Paul talked about our spiritual warfare. And here's what he said. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, having done all to stand, having done all to stand, quit. Having done all to stand, what? Stand, therefore. So stand, therefore. Having your loins good about with truth. Having a breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the living God. So, when it comes to standing by faith, how do we stand by faith? That could become blind to us. We don't really recognize exactly what we should be doing. Well, let's make it a little bit clear. First and foremost, number one, to stand by faith. We're declaring the word to be the final authority. There's no perfect example than Jesus. And when Jesus was attacked by the enemy, what did he do? It is written. To him, it was the final 
authoritative word. That was it. It's the word of final authority. If God said it, that's all there is to it. And he made the devil know it. He made the devil hear it. And the devil had no answer in all three realms. No answer for what Jesus said according to the word. It is written. And when you and I release authoritative words from our lips, praise God, we know the Holy Spirit will watch over those words to make those words good. And so we stand in faith by continuing to declare what the word of God says. The word is the final authority. And then secondly, we reject contradictory statements that are going to come to us from every direction. We're standing in faith. We're declaring the word of God. The enemy comes and whispers in our ears, but it's never going to happen. It's never going to come to pass. And that's when you react to that by saying, but you're too late. I've already asked. I've already believed. I'm standing firm in my conviction that God heard me and I have it. And so therefore, I reject I renounce, I cast down any thought, any image or imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of the living God. That's how we stand by faith. The words of final authority, we reject any thought contradictory to what the word of God declares to be true. And then number three, also we are resisting fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. Fear will always come to uproot faith from the heart of the believer. Fear will gather around about us, we are told in Scripture. Fear will come from every direction. But fear does not have to have victory in our lives. Perfect love will cast out all fear. God gave us these three powerful weapons to resist fear. Number one, power. The power and authority of the name of Jesus that we can speak to it and command it to leave. Love, perfect love, cast out all fear. And a sound mind, a well-disciplined mind, a mind that's trained in the word of God. God has not given me the spirit of fear. And I will not fear. Why? Because God is with me. I will not fear because he's my God. And he said, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. So therefore, you see, the well-disciplined mind says there is no reason for me to fear. Fear has no power over my life. And so we take a stand. And then also, we refuse to waver. This is so important. James chapter 1, verse 5, we absolutely refuse to waver. And we see this illustrated to us by the life of Peter when he got out of the boat, began to walk on the water, he began to waver. And when he began to waver, he began to sink. These are all recorded for our instructional teaching so that we can understand how to live by faith, walk by faith, stand in faith, fight the good fight of faith. If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. It shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Now notice nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea. Driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double minded man is unstable in all of his ways. I love to say it this way. Our soul needs an anchor. We need an anchor for the soul. To anchor it down. To say you're staying right here. You're not going to the left. You're not going to the right. You're not going to be spinning on me. 
As far as I'm concerned, this is the word of the Lord. This is the declaration of God's word that I'm standing on. And I'm believing I've received from God my need met. And I refuse to waver in my thinking in any way. I am not going to be moved by thoughts that contradict the word of God. So we can't waver. Because if we waver, then we can't receive anything from the Lord. And as we said, we already saw Peter sinking because he began to waver. He got his eyes off the word. He got his eyes on the circumstances. And he began to sink. But thank God Jesus is always there to bail us out. Amen. And then praise God for the victory. I know we know this truth. But it has to become a reality. God lives in the praises of his people. Psalm 22.3. God lives in the praises of his people. When we praise him, he manifests himself. And where he manifests himself, there is light, glory. And where there's the light of the glory of God, there can be no darkness. Hallelujah. I oftentimes will refer back to the incidents that, that took place in our lives with Andrew. And I remember one time coming home from the hospital and really wanting to go to bed. I was very exhausted. And, and uh, all of a sudden I get a call to say, get back up to the hospital. They don't think he's going to make it through the night. I jump out of bed, run down to my car. And you think fear doesn't gather around about you? Fear doesn't come trying to do what undermine what you know to be truth in the word of God. And all of a sudden, if you cave in under the pressure and give into it, it will take over. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I started thanking the Lord, thinking, no, no, it can't be. I believe, I believe, I believe. Before long, the Holy Ghost fell on me, and I'm just singing all the way to Children's Hospital, praising God for His victory, praising God that He's delivered. He will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Praise God for the hand of the Lord is upon Him. And I believe to see the glory of God. Hallelujah. Long story short, we got there. I got there, and they didn't have what they said He had. And so thanks be to God. Amen. We've got to praise him for the victory even before we see it. Believing that we have it. Hallelujah. And then point three. The subtlety of Satan. The subtlety of Satan. Well, notice 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. Paul had a concern here. But I fear less by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve. Notice. Here's his example. As the serpent beguiled Eve. How? Through his subtlety. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Oh, let's start from the beginning. By any means. Now, by any means, first of all, he's talking about false teachings. He's talking about false doctrines, philosophies, any kind of reasonings or opinions that contradict the word of God. Any means means just that. By any means. Whatever method, whatever means he deems necessary to get to you where you live. He will do everything he possibly can to undermine the word of God. Any means. Wrong teaching. God wants you to be that way. It's not God's will for you to have that. And the list goes on and on. All the fiery darts. You heard the professional. You heard what they said. Nothing you can do about that. Nothing at all. If we would allow that to enter into our hearts and our minds, Angel would have never made it. But every time they said something, we appreciated their professionalism and all that they knew. 
and all their studies and all their research and their dedication to help mankind. We appreciate that. But I'm telling you, when they left the room, we believe. Thank God for what man can do. But Lord, we believe you are greater than anyone or anything that man can do. And so you maintain your focus and you continue praising God and thanking him. Any means... One after another, they kept coming in. He'll never suck, swallow, or breathe. He's going to be on a feeding tube for the rest of his life. And then they would go, thank you, Father, that he won't. We just thank you that he won't. We thank you that he will be able to suck, swallow, and breathe. We thank you that he'll not be on a tube for the rest of his life. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. You see, and you're focusing on something that you don't see. Now, physical evidence is there. And there's a right for people to say that. Because that's true. We don't deny reality. Physical reality is real. But we deny its right to rule our lives. And we say, no, we are ruled by the word of God. The word of the Lord has the final say. We believe in something that is greater and more powerful than what we hear, what we see, what we feel, etc. We believe God. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing to say, I believe God. I believe, Paul said on that ship, I believe God, sirs, I believe God, it shall be even as he told me. I like that. Don't you like that? I believe it shall be even as he told me. Not what your professionalism tell, tells you, but what he told me. I believe it shall be as God said. Not as man said, not as the weather says, etc. I believe to see the glory of God. And I'm not backing off from that. So no matter what means he uses... He's coming to contradict God's word. Why? To get us out of faith. The subtlety of Satan. Now notice the word subtlety. It means cunning craftiness. Shrewdness. He'll use his evil ingenuity to try to undermine the word of God. And notice the example he used was Eve. Look in Genesis chapter 3. Why did Paul say Eve? Why did he use Eve? He could use anybody else along the way because that's where it began. That's where his shrewdness, that's where his cunning craftiness began. And here it's exposed. It's not like it's not written for us to see. It's exposed. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He turns. God hath said. Into a hath God said. Did God really say that? And the woman said unto the serpent. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree. Which is in the midst of the garden. God hath said. You shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it. Lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman. You shall not surely die. Wow. Okay. For God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Now I can, it's not written here, but you can only imagine what she was saying. I wonder why God said that. If that's really true, you mean I can rise up even to be greater than I am right now? And look at that tree. It's a good looking tree. Look at the fruit on that tree. It looks really good. 
She's having this conversation with herself and she finally makes a decision to do what? Violate the word of God. God hath said, but the serpent said, hath God said? God lied to you. God's holding back on you. She entertained it. She thought about it. She embraced it. She said it. And finally she actually did it. You know what? The word teaches us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We think it, we believe it, we say it, and then we have it. And that's just how it works. And so God wants us to have our minds renewed to what the word says. And don't cave in under the pressure of the enemy through his subtlety, his shrewdness. And act apart from what God said. Find out what God said, take it to the bank. Amen. Take it to the bank. And then next, notice he's talking about your minds. He's coming to corrupt your mental faculties. He's coming to bring confusion to our minds. He is coming to affect the way we think. He's come to pervert our thoughts and our thinking. To infiltrate our minds. He wants territory. He wants topos. Which is in the Greek, it's territory, ground. He wants an entry point into our thinking. Because he knows that's where the battlefield is. He knows that's where it all takes place. And if he could mess up our thinking, then he could mess up God's plans for our lives. It's exactly what he did to Eve. Adam followed suit. And of course, we know the story from there. But it's important that we recognize the subtlety of the enemy. Notice what he endeavors to do. Be aware of his plans and strategies. Those wiles are really fiery darts that are attacking our mental faculties, our thought life, our thinking. To get us to think apart from the way God thinks. Because he knows it starts there as well. If I can get her to think it, she'll believe it. She'll say it. She'll do it. That's how it works. Well, Eve should have got a hold of the word of God. You talk about standing in faith. She should have stood there and said, absolutely not. God hath said. And as far as I'm concerned, I resist your thoughts, your way of thinking, and I refuse to act accordingly. Amen? And she could have overcome. Have you often wondered what it would have been like? <clears throat> Think about it. What would it have been like? Number four. Foundational stones. Number one, faith is of God and in God. Mark eleven twenty-two. Mark eleven twenty-two. Have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. But in King James it says, have faith in God. So in Mark eleven twenty-two, we have our first stone. Our faith is in God. Our faith is of God. It's the God kind of faith that God gave every one of us. We all have the measure of that kind of faith. And God wants us to use that kind of faith to overcome every challenge we face in life. So have the faith of God is our first stone. The second one, it's a foundational stone. Believe in your heart without doubting. We've got to believe from the heart without doubting. Notice the heart, our innermost being. Our heads can get messed up. Our thinking can be askew. Our thought life 
my goodness, can be challenged all the time. It's from the heart man believes unto righteousness. It's from the heart we embrace the truths of God's word. So, first of all, have faith in God or have the faith of God. And then, after that, make sure it's coming from your heart. And then thirdly, say it. We got to say it. Say what we believe. I'm telling you, the longer I'm in the faith, the more I recognize the need to get so much more serious with verbalizing, vocalizing the word of God. Speak to it. Speak to that tree and command it to remove. It will obey you. Speak to that mountain and command it to go. And it will go. And it will obey you. And nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing will be impossible to you. Let us go to the other side and back. Or Jesus said let us go to the other side. And even though there was a storm along the way. It didn't bother him. He spoke to it. Peace be still. There is something about that I believe that just moves heaven. Wigglesworth used to say, God will go over thousands or millions of people to find some one person speaking the word of faith. Because God is a God of integrity. And he will always watch over his word to make it good. But it's got to come from the heart of somebody who embraces it, believes it, and is bold enough to declare it. Say what the word of God says. Hallelujah. Mark eleven twenty three, and you know the verse. And then also, faith believes from the heart that the authoritative words that we speak from our mouth will manifest. And there is nothing this side of heaven that can possibly stop our words from coming to pass. Nothing. That's the mentality that we have to have. We've got to get to a place that I said it. It's the word of God. Nothing can stop it. I really believe our biggest enemy is ourselves. We feel guilt. We feel condemnation. We feel inferior. We feel as though that it's just my words. Beloved, when you take a hold of the word of God and you embrace it and you put it in your heart and put it in your mouth, it is not your word. It is his word. It is his word he spoke and said, if I say it, I will do it. If I speak it, I will make it good. Once it's gone out of my mouth, praise God, there is nothing at all that can stop it from coming to pass. So speak to your mountain in the power of the name of Jesus and command it to go and don't waver. Declare it. Believe it. I spoke. It's gone. It cannot stay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now it's important to recognize the fact that our speaking must line up with the word of God. Our speaking must line up with the word of God. Here's where people get into trouble all the time. Start spewing some things out of their mouth that doesn't really represent the word of God. Kind of aimlessly speaking things, saying things that are not rooted or grounded in the word of God. We should live by this rule. God hath said... Whatever he said, I will not leave you or forsake you, that you may boldly say, we may boldly say what God said. We can't walk around saying, I've got seven B&Ws, one for every day of the week, just because that's what we want. 
the faith movement had been so criticized because all people want is more things and more things and more things and more things and more things. God wants to bless us. We have no doubt about that. But beloved, if we're not using our faith and our words to have a greater walk in relationship with Almighty God, then we're missing the whole boat. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. My life is changing from glory to glory. I am clothed with the spirit of Almighty God. And I'm empowered to rise up above the power of darkness, the power of sin or anything or any obstacle that stands between myself and victory. As far as I'm concerned, praise God, the life of God that is in me is pouring forth from me. And everywhere I go, I'm a blessing to every person I meet. I will speak the word, proclaim it. I've got boldness upon me. The righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no man pursues. That's called jogging. But the righteous are bold as a lion. Amen. So in other words, it's okay to use your faith to believe you receive your financial needs met and all that. But that is not the top priority. The top priority is I'm changing to look more like Jesus every day. I'm changing to talk more like Jesus every single day. I am changing and I am conforming to his image. And like the Apostle Paul said, my earnest heartfelt desire is that I would conform to his image and be changed in such a way that his life would manifest in my mortal body. Amen. See, that's the top priority. And if we'll have that as a priority, I believe everything else will come much easier. Because we prioritized our lives to put Him first. And His work first. Hallelujah. Now, just to show you how this plays out. Remember the story of Abel and Cain. Now, if you go to the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11, who's the first person it talks about? Abel. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4. The patriarchs of old obtained a good report. How? Through faith. And who's the first one mentioned? By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Notice he did it by faith. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. And by it he being dead yet speaketh. Whoa. A dead man speaking. We'll explain that in just a moment. But notice that Abel, it says, by faith offered this sacrifice that was more excellent than his brother Cain. So if he did it by faith, how does faith come? By hearing. So he had to hear God say something about his sacrifice so he can offer it in faith. Because if you don't know how God wants you to offer a sacrifice, you can't have faith to do it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I think some people fail to realize that God instructed them. God taught them. God told them how to do things. Adam and Eve knew how to approach God. They had to have sacrifices and we know that. Let me, let me ask you this question. Does God ever change? Is he the same yesterday, today and forever? Does he require as far as approaching him is concerned a, a sacrifice? Can you approach him without the sacrifice of the blood of Christ? We're told to approach his throne how? By the blood of Jesus. Now, he made the sacrifice for us. But if God doesn't change, and from the very beginning, when he killed those animals and provided uh, covering for Adam and Eve, obviously, he taught them about approaching his presence. And they were to do it his way. 
So Abel's life really represents God's way to approach him, or you could say God's way of salvation. Look in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 22. God's way to approach him. We're not to approach him our way, we're to approach him his way. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is, there just is no remission of sin. So, Abel offered a sacrifice to God. Look at Hebrews 12, 12 and verse 24. Uh, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. The blood of Christ speaks better things than that of Abel, but Abel's blood speaks. What does Abel's blood speak of? It speaks of something. It speaks of the way that God told him to approach him with his sacrifice. So it has a voice, you could say. His blood is still speaking today. So it speaks of how we approach God. It speaks of a blood sacrifice as a way to approach God. So Abel, by faith, did it God's way. Also, his life and his blood speaks of Christ. You could almost say it's a type of Christ. When you look at Abel's life and compare it to the life of Christ, what do you see? Well, we discover, uh, first of all, that Jesus, right, let's start with Abel. Abel was a shepherd. Jesus was a shepherd of the sheep. We know that Abel was hated by his brother, Cain. Jesus was hated by his brethren, the Jews. Without doubt, we know that he was murdered. He was murdered. Why? For the sins of his brother. Was he not? Jealousy, anger, frustration, rejection. And so he's murdered. And what about Jesus? Crucify him. Crucify him. He's martyred. He offers his life as a sacrifice. Crucify him. Who's shouting those words? The brethren. Okay? And finally, Abel's blood yet speaks. What does it speak? Your approach to God has got to be his way and not man's way. You've got to come by blood. That's the only way to approach God. He wanted justice as well. But what about the blood of Jesus? His blood speaks better things than that of Abel's. So in other words, we discover the voice of the blood of Jesus and what it says and what it speaks and if you apply that to your life, everything that he suffered, everything that he died for, all that he shed his blood for, is yours and is mine. I'm to believe it. I'm to say it. I'm to agree with God. And I believe the Holy Spirit will take it and make it a reality if we'll believe it and declare it to be true. For example, I am a masterpiece. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I'm an... An heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus, and I have an inheritance among the saints in life. I've got a place in glory. I've got a joy unspeakable that's full of glory. I am blessed coming in. I am blessed going out. You know why? It's all been bought and paid for. Praise God. I can bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is in me. I will bless His holy name. He forgives all my sin, heals all my disease, redeems my life from destruction. You can go on and on and on and on. He always causes me to triumph. 
How can you say that? Because the blood's been shed, praise God. It's crying out for mercy. I thank God I have been shown mercy by the grace of God because of the blood that was shed for my redemption. The more I say that, the more I believe that. The more it becomes a reality. And the more I begin to walk in the light of it. I get changed in my attitude, my thoughts, my speech. You know what? You get to the point to where your spirit is so alive with the life and power and the glory of Almighty God. That you become an agent of blessing to people wherever you go. And you know what? It's contagious. That will get on them. When you walk like that and talk like that and act like that. But then also uh, it speaks of the narrow way. And we're using this as a platform to show us how faith works and how we can stand. Here's Abel. He heard the word. He acted on the word. He did what God said to do. So we're told he did it by faith. Because that's how faith comes. By hearing the word. He acted on the principles of the word. He did what God told him to do. And he's justified because of what he did. And it speaks of excellent things. But not his brothers. But also his life speaks of a narrow way. Because it seems like as though that's very narrow minded. If Cain didn't make it that way. If Cain tried to do it his own way. Well why that way? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. That's a narrow way. Didn't he say, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to life? He is the narrow way. And so here's my point. When people that are out there in the world today, and I'm telling you right now, it's getting worse and worse in our society. You realize when you've got Christians that grew up in churches where they heard that Jesus is the only way, now they become a public figure. Maybe they're on television or whatever. And they start saying there's many ways to God. There's many ways. They've been deceived by the subtlety and the shrewdness of the devil that made them buy the lie. And they actually believe that now. They've been twisted in their thinking why? Because secular humanism inf infiltrated their minds. New age infiltrated their minds. And so now what are they believing? And now what are they saying? They're not saying Jesus is the only way anymore. Now they're not walking in faith. So Abel, his life represents by faith... The one way, the narrow way, the only way to get to God, to approach God is by a blood sacrifice through Jesus Christ himself. That's the only way. Is that being narrow-minded? It sure is. But that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But God wants us to be narrow-minded in other areas as well that line up with the word. But then also, look at the life of Jude. I'm sorry, Cain. And Jude, look at Jude chapter 1, the life of Cain. So here we have Cain. Now Cain, we are told, didn't do it God's way or his sacrifice wasn't acceptable. But look at, woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Now notice these three, but we're going to just look at Cain. The way of Cain. What's the way of Cain? Cain's not in this faith hall of fame. Do we believe God's so unjust and God is so unfair that he did not tell Cain how to approach him? That he did not tell him what sacrifice to bring? Abel brought a sacrifice that was pleasing to God that was more excellent than Cain because Cain, he represents man's way. His own idea as to how to approach God. Oh my goodness, how much of that do we hear today? So much of that today. I can get to God any way I want to. 
You're narrow-minded once again to think just because Christianity is the only religion. Someone recently said that to me. Really? All these other religions that are in the world, what separates Christianity from all the others? The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. He's still alive and you've got bones in your tombs of your people that you supposedly think are some kind of spiritual leaders. That's what it is. In Proverbs 16, 25, we are told there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that way is what? It's the ways of death. So here we have Cain. Now I realize that there are those that say, well, it's not because it was a blood sacrifice. How do you know that? Look at the book of Genesis chapter 4. Yes, indeed it has to be by faith. But, notice this. Why are you so angry? This is from the New Living Translation. The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? You'll be ex- you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. If you do what is right, how would he know what is right? Is God putting him down for bringing his best offering? Saying, well, your heart really wasn't in it. But if you notice it says sin is crouching at the door. I'm going to read to you from this. This is from Adam Clark's commentary. Cain's fault now was was his not bringing a sin offering when his brother brought one. And his neglect and contempt caused his other offering to be rejected. However, God now graciously informs him that though he had miscarried, his case was not yet desperate as the means of faith from the promised sin offering was lying at the door of his fold. How many sinners perish not because there is not a Savior able to and willing to save them, but because they will not use that which is within their power. So the point that they're making here is, now I realize that there are those that say, well, I, this, it just wasn't in faith. It, was, it would have been okay if he had brought his offering that was, that was uh, the best that he could offer, if he brought it in faith and it was the best that he had to offer. But God is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And his approach to approach him, is, it requires a, a blood sacrifice. It's required to approach his presence. And if you think in line with, of that, and when he's talking about sin, you're not going to overcome sin by bringing the fruit of your, tr- of your apple tree or your grain or anything else. Now, we don't know the full details of everything. But regardless, either way you look at it, if it's not done in faith, then it doesn't please God. It has to be done in faith. And the only way it can be done in faith is by hearing what God said to do. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If he would have said something like, now Cain or Abel, you go bring me a sacrificial lamb. And Cain, you bring me your wheat. Then that would have been acceptable. Go ahead. But Cain represents the way of man. Cain, his life represents the fact that God's way can be rejected. He absolutely rejected God's way of doing things. You know what? God told us to speak to our mountain. But you know, we can reject that. We can reject it. As a matter of fact, how often do we sit back and really complain about what we're going through? Complain about the mountain or the size of the giants and etc. and etc. Rather than speaking to it. We speak about it rather than speak to it. And as a result, we're not doing it God's way. 
If it's by faith, then we have to by faith do what God said to do. He'll be saying to us, I told you to speak to your mountain. I didn't tell you to speak about it. I told you to speak to it. I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus. I'm giving you a command that you have got to obey. You see, the point is we've got to get to a place that we actually believe that things will obey us. It will obey my command. Notice he gave us power and authority to cast out devils and heal diseases. Luke 9.1 he gave us that power. He gave us that authority. But do we really believe that we have that power and we have that authority? Maybe to cast out devils. But what about to cure diseases? We don't think of ourselves in those terms. But he gave it to us. And we can do it. We can speak it. It's up to us to do what he said to do and do it God's way. Now, look at uh, Genesis 4 and verse 9. Man's way is not a good thing. It's a curse. People want to know why there's curses. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is, thy, is Abel thy brother? Before I even read this, hold on. You realize God was gracious to Cain? And God gave Cain a chance? God gave him instruction. God gave him direction. God gave him a basis and foundation for faith to do it God's way. He did. And then he gave him that counsel. And said, this is what you do. And so the Lord said to Cain, where is, your, where is Abel your brother? He said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Who opened up that door? Cain did. And how did the door open? He refused to walk in faith. Faith does it God's way. Faith says this is what God said to do. I'm doing it that way. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to speak that. I'm going to say that. I'm going to act that out. I'm going to do exactly what God says to do. And the outcome will be like Abel's. God is well pleased. Without faith we cannot what? Please Him. He that comes to God must believe that He is. And He's a reward of those that diligently seek Him. And so by faith we do what God says to do. Did He say to speak to your mountain? Then speak to it. Did He say to cast out the devil? Then cast the devil out. Did He say given it shall be given to you? Absolutely. Now, when it comes to applying this to our individual lives, this life application... If someone tells us, and this is important, if someone were to tell you that you can be saved, let's say by um, just going to church enough, or through your own good works, would you believe that truth as, a tr as truth? Would you buy that? What would you immediately say? No, I reject that thought. There's no possible way. Why? Because you are rooted and grounded in the word of God. And you know you can't save yourself without the shedding of blood. And you will say, no, 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 no. I can't buy that. There's no possible way. The only way of salvation is through the cross. By the blood of Jesus Christ. By embracing him as my Savior and Lord. By confessing him from my heart with my mouth that God raised him from the dead. I'm saved. I have passed from death to life. You see what you're doing? You're speaking the word of God about your salvation. You are operating in faith. You are living by faith. You are walking by faith. Not like Cain. Well, I can do it my way. I can do it this way. I can do it that way. That carries a curse with it. 
And that's something to really consider, isn't it? It's so important for us to realize if God said to forgive someone, then forgive them so that your ground's not cursed. If he says don't hold bitterness in your heart, then don't do it. Because why? Bitterness will spring up in you as poison and defile you. Or send poisonous venom throughout your entire body. We got to do it God's way. So now, under point B here, take it to this level. If the enemy tells us, like some have said, I told you about the bag lady. I'm a bag lady. It was in New York. I was ministering to her, talking to her about she doesn't have to be that way anymore. That God has a loving plan for her life. He cares about her. And she looked square up from the ground, just sitting on the ground, looked up at me and she said, Son, my grandmother was a bag lady. My mother was a bag lady. I will be poor and a bag lady for the rest of my life. You can't change that. Nothing can change that. You talk about deceived? You would think a ray of hope. You would embrace that hope. That she could look at you and just even say something like this. Really? How can that happen? But there was not even a thought along that line. If the devil comes along and just says, your father, your grandfather was an alcoholic, your father was an alcoholic, and you're going to be an alcoholic, or you can't resist it yourself, and it's just going to happen because that's your family history. If the devil comes along and says, your, say your mother died of heart disease when she was such and such an age, your grandmother, her mother died of the same thing, and her mother before her, and that goes on, and there's nothing you can do to escape it. It's in your family heritage. It's your hereditary. It's hereditary. And it goes on and on. Or you're in poverty. You're going to be in poverty. You're always going to be that way. Whatever it might be that the enemy through his subtlety brings our way. And makes us think that this is how it has to be in my life. It has to be this way. I'll tell you what. Your family history changed when you got saved and washed in the blood of the Lamb. When you accept the Christ as your Savior, you're redeemed from the curse of the law. And you've got new blood coursing through your veins. We are told He redeemed you from that curse. That the blessing of Abraham. You want a bloodline? Take it all the way back to Abraham. Hallelujah. You've got new blood. But better than that, take the blood of Jesus Christ that washed you and cleansed you and delivered you. You are no longer stained with sin. And your family history has changed. You're part of the royal family family of the living God and instead of buying the lie and believing the lie it's up to us to rise up and just say no 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 I will not be a bag lady for the rest of my life there is the blood of Jesus Christ there's hope for me and I'm believing in something bigger and greater than my ancestors hallelujah I will not be an alcoholic even though my daddy was and my grandfather was. I will not be an alcoholic because I've got new blood flowing through my vein. The buck stops right here in the name of Jesus Christ. I am set free. I renounce it. I stand against it. And you spirit behind it, I speak to you in Jesus' name. Get out of my life, out of my home, once and for all. And the one that says, I'm addicted, I'm always going to be addicted because of this, this, that, and No, stop right there. I've got a new life in Jesus. I've got a new life divine. The life of God is in me. The nature of God is in me. The ability of God is in me. You have no power over me. You know what? We don't, we don't tell this to people. 
And too often people are told, I'm an alcoholic, I will always be an alcoholic, etc., etc. I believe in any kind of help you can get. But I, my only, as far as I'm concerned, my pet peeve is, don't say you are. Say I was. But I'm delivered, I'm set free, I'm made whole, praise God, and the power of God is in me, changing me from the inside out. See, faith, this is living by faith. This is walking by faith. If you got the enemy just speaking in your ear, he wants territory. He wants ground. He wants, he wants to gain access. He wants an entry point. Notice in Ephesians 4, we are told, be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Right? Why? Because you'll give place to the devil. You know, when you just sit back and you stew and you get all your thoughts are just going and I'm telling you, you're just getting fired up more and more and more and more. You go to bed, go to, head, go to bed, you lie, put your head on the pillow, you try to lie down there and you can't even think because you're so fired up. You are so fired up in rehearsing this thing in your head, in your mind and just playing it over and over and over and over and over and over. How come we know how to meditate on negative things and have no clue how to meditate on positive things? See, it's like weeds. Weeds will grow in cement. Out of the side of a rocky shell mountain. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm walking, I was driving down the road one day. Nothing but cement there. Here's a weed sticking up. How'd you do that? But try to plant some grass. No, oh, Lord. Or a plant. Gee, if you don't baby the thing, it gives up on you. Right? But you've got trees growing out of sides of mountains that are full of shale. That's why the expression, you never hear them say, oh, you grow like a tomato plant. Oh, you've been growing like a weed. Because weeds grow anywhere, any weather, anytime, anyway, right? That's, that's just a weed. Yeah. That's just how it is. Well, beloved, it's time that we get a hold of the Word of God and start saying what it says. And I mean, not just, I read it, I know what that says, no, it's time that we say, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. That's every sickness, every disease, known, unknown, named, unnamed, written, unwritten. I've been redeemed from poverty, sickness, death, devils, demons, the dominion of the devil himself. I've been, re I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've got a new heritage, a new family line. I have royal blood flowing through my veins. I've got authority. I've been given power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt me. No wonder in the book of Proverbs when it says, my lips, my, my heart will rejoice when your lips speak right things. You ever read that? F chapter 15, I think 21, 22, somewhere around there. 23. I, my lips, my heart will rejoice, my reins will rejoice when your lips speak right things. A man shall have good by the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips, so shall he be filled. You want to be filled with God, full of God? Hallelujah. Don't just say, I read it. But say, I said it. I read it. And I'm saying it, I'm saying it, I'm saying it. I'm redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say that He is good and His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed say of the Lord, He always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus my Lord. Hallelujah. Always causes me to triumph. Say it. He always causes me. See, that's living by faith. That's walking by faith. Hey, hallelujah. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank God for the new bloodline that we have. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, 
We have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.